Welcome to Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Today is Sunday, October 25th. This is episode 53, and we're going to be breaking down all things week seven NFL. Um, I'm going to be joined by uh, the usual suspects. We got Big Dog, we got Josh, we got Kyle, and then later in the ep- uh, later in the episode, stay tuned. Uh, great friend of the program, Mitchell Rincon, and I will be breaking down um, our favorite bands from the United States, which kind of throws a wrench into your plans when you take out like Led Zeppelin and the Stones. So that will be an interesting conversation. Stay tuned for that. Um, but we are here to talk football right now. Um, so, gentlemen, Kyle, how you doing? Uh, pretty rough Sunday for me. My yeah. uh, my first round of giving out picks, posting on my Instagram story, and I absolutely tanked. So <laughs> I'm ready for week eight. <laughs> Welcome. This is this is how it goes. Big dog, how you doing, my friend? Well, sorry, Kyle, but I'm doing fucking great. I looked at that Seahawks game we all had. Oh, I'm doing great today. Yep, and the way the Dodgers lost on Saturday, we should have recorded this last night because I was way more amped up when you FaceTimed me immediately after that. And I was with like three Dodger fans at work when you did that. I was just like, and I had to pretend to like be respectful. Like, you know? <laughs> uh, Josh, how you doing? I'm okay. You know, five and f- or three and three on the week. So, you know, just neutral. Not too bad. Just, not too bad. Just, not too bad. Better than me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So kind of a mind fuck we all got thrown it out us in that this uh, Sunday night football game between the Cards and the Seahawks. We were all on the Seahawks, I believe. And I haven't seen Russell Wilson throw that many like sketchy picks like that since that like Super Bowl against the Patriots. Um Andrew, you've been um you're a huge Russell Wilson guy. I'm not like blaming you. I obviously am too. What the fuck did we just see? Was it more the defense? Or did Russell kind of, like, have his first bad game of the season? I mean, he kind of had a bad game, but he also had still, like, Russell throws, and he still made third-down conversions. And I mean, it's just bound to happen eventually. They're they're not going to go undefeated. And why don't we, instead of bagging the MVP, why don't we give a little bit of credit to the Cardinals that you guys hate so mm-hmm. much and just pat yourself on the back or myself on the back and just be like, the Cardinals are kind of good. Okay, they beat but what do you- the undefeated team. They're better than the Rams. Josh, my Josh you do, do you not buy the Cardinals? The I don't buy it still. I think this is just more of a testament of how bad the Seahawks defense is. I, I still think like this offense is historically good. This the, Russell, especially, this is probably his best season I've ever witnessed. And I mean, you said he had a bad game, but he still threw for 388, uh, 33 for 50. I mean, 50 times is a lot, obviously. Three touchdowns, mm-hmm. uh, two really bad picks. One of them was like, I I mean I'll give it to him. It was it was like a weird one, but there was probably two miscommunications on mm-hmm. two of those picks. But the the Chris Carson one, the Buddha Baker like ninety yarder return, that one was bad. He just didn't we will even get see to it. we will get to that, Kyle. So after this game, are you taking away like just bad Seahawks game, or are you kind of buying into Arizona? How are you feeling? I think Seahawks went down further than the Cardinals went up in my list. Um, the Cardinals, I'm not still fully convinced. I know, Andrew, you said they're better than the Rams, but we had mentioned before that the Rams have swept the NFC uh, East. So, you know, congrats to them for that. <laughs> These motherfuckers to the right on the screen. They love Sean McVay. They love it. They love oh, the Andrew um, texted me today. He hopes the Chargers lose every game for the rest of the season, and so do the Rams, so they fire Sean McVay so they we can hire him. So, yeah, I'm pretty sick. I would like the Cardinals to do this again uh, a little more consistently because I still think the outing last weekend against a terrible Dallas team, we saw 
nothing like this. So I don't know if this is just, you know, they're playing a division rival and they kind of have figured them out so far this season or whether this is actually something that's going to be consistent. Give me a few more games of this and then I'll be impressed. But I think this is more so speaking about the Seahawks vulnerabilities here. Yeah, the Seahawks defense is there. They have a lot of injuries, but it was just so eye-opening tonight how shockingly bad they were and how, I mean, what was it? The Cardinals got the ball back with 55 seconds left, and I think we're all pretty confident that they were going to go down and at least get a field goal, and they really, nothing was going up against them. Um, Quickly on the Cardinals front, I just wanted to take a moment on this podcast to recognize Larry Fitzgerald just for how good he's been for just like basically all of our entire lives or not really, but I yeah, mean, pretty much though. I mean, it's I, like, like six Oh seven. He, he's just perfect. And did you see that play tonight where they were to rush to get the field goal that I, like he got the ball off the ground and ran it to the center to get it so they could snap it quicker. I just like, he's the best wide receiver I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, and obviously like, Maybe he doesn't have the highs of what we've seen of Calvin Johnson. Um, and, I mean, Randy Moss, I guess, actually would be the best. But besides Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald just, I mean, he's just a freak of nature to watch and um, all very happy. Yeah, yeah. Alzheimer. Um, so with, let's, actually, we're going to skip ahead. I had, we were going to talk about the NFC a little later, but um, we were just talking about, so there's seven teams make the playoffs this year. How many teams do we think are going to come out of the NFC West? Kyle, I'll start with you. You know, I'm looking at the standings right now, and they, they also have to play each other as well, too. But they, don't have, they haven't had too many inter-division um, uh, play yet, so that'll start to normalize a little bit more, like the wins and losses. But, I mean, looking at the NFC, I mean, this is a topic. Just, like, it's bad. I mean, really what we're looking at here is if the Bears can stay consistent, um, we know the Packers probably will. They'll beat the bad teams. And if the Saints can stay consistent um, to get that, I guess, seventh spot. But if they don't, then, yeah, we'll definitely see three out of the NFC West. Yeah, it's um, it's like weird how shockingly bad the NFC looks in a week or in the last two weeks because the Bucks have kind of like brought themselves out. Um, big dog. You are a very you're very high on the Cardinals. Do you think with this seven teams that the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs? And what do you think of the other teams in the NFC West chances? Like, the obviously, the Seahawks, but the 49ers, I would ask. And I guess the Rams. I mean, they're but, you know. definitely in a good spot right now, being 5-2. and two. They have to I mean, play that's a tough cr- schedule. The Cardinals are 5-2. and two. That's yeah. kind of crazy. I mean, they're second place. My question was going to be, though, because it's like, I agree, the Seahawks' defense is horrible. And the only reason they're good is because they're offense. But who in the NFC is that much better than the Seahawks? Like nobody, I mean, it's the Packers, it's the Buccaneers right now. Those are the top yeah, three teams, it. I think, and that's it. I, I, and I like and them that, those are all very Seahawks. beatable teams. I in would, the right week. I Kyle, you were kind of hitting on this with the Seahawks defense. I mean, I would at this point favor the Bucks over the Seahawks. Just, I mean, the defense, the Bucks the defense complete. has shown us some stuff, and obviously, we'll get to how Brady and Gronk are looking, but. I, the Seahawks defense is a huge question mark, and I know Russell Wilson's putting up these stats, but like you got to be worried. You got to be worried, right? I'm concerned, but I still think just they're still your favorite in the, in the NFC. NFC. Yeah, yeah. I just okay. I'm going to take Russell Wilson until he okay. loses in the playoffs. And then uh, Kyle, go for it. 
Yeah, I would say it'll be interesting to see the Seahawks play a team like the Bears. I, I don't think they play in the regular season at all, but to play a team that has like a really strong defense, but not a great offense, but pairing that not great offense with a terrible Seahawks defense, I wonder how many stops that Seahawks defense can actually get against a team like, you know, the Bears or even someone like the Saints who like don't have that great of an offense, um, mm-hmm. but can still um, stop, you know, Seattle's offense. So we saw tonight that, Seahawks can't stop anything on defense. Like I felt like every time Kyler Murray had the ball, he was going to either bomb it downfield or run for 15 yards every single time. So I just think it'll be interesting matchup when we start. Maybe this will be in playoffs, but starting to see great defenses, decent decent offenses versus the Seattle team. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Josh. What do you got? So uh, I looked up the schedule uh, for the remaining games for the Seahawks. Right. Um, they also get like this fun little parade where they play every NFC East team as oh. well. <laughs> That's a good oh, wait, Christmas present. Uh, except the Cowboys. I guess they, they oh, do miss out on the Cowboys, but they play oh, Eagles, Giants. Oh, but instead of the Cowboys, they get the Jets. So, they, they, <laughs> um, so I mean, the toughest teams they have remaining is they still play the Niners twice. I'm really curious. That's going to be um was that next yeah next week they play the Niners and then they play mm-hmm. the Niners one more time obviously um but then it's really Niners Rams twice and then the Bills that's and then and then it's the four joke team so those are four easy wins I'd say right now confidently they got this division in the bag these these wins are too easy yeah. for them easily I mean that's you're already doing four games right there between the Eagles Giants Jets and uh, Washington I mean, football team. They could still win the division, and the 49ers could beat them twice. Exactly, and that's yeah. and that's kind of why I'm I'm still very high on the Seahawks. Uh, I guess though, I'm I'm curious to see who they would play uh, in the first round of the playoffs. I guess because then at that point, that's probably the hardest team they're going to be playing. Obviously, up until mm-hmm. then, because I'm assuming they have a good defense, but it might just be another divisional rival actually yeah. making that spot too. Yeah, agreed. So let's move on from the Sunday night football game. The Cardinals get that big win. A shout out to Tyler Hartford, lifelong yeah, Cardinals Tyler. fan. We talked um, about Kyler today. Oh, wait, nice. one last thing. Uh, Tyler yeah. Lockett, holy fucking yeah. shit. 15 catches, 200 yards, three touchdowns. Not easy holy to catch either. Those were tough catches he had. That uh, moonshot from Wilson for like 50 yards, it, he throws just such a beautiful deep Insane. ball. That was that was just beautiful. Well, to start the game with a one-hander, that is like <laughs> the first play of the game with a one-hander and it cradled right in his He's bicep. Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. He they went off, and that's got a sting for the Seahawks though, because you knew that the whole let Russ cook thing, and you know that their offense is so good, and to get that performance out of them, and still to lose. You got to be a little worried, but I still think that because they have Russell Wilson, they should be the favorite, if not tied with the Bucks. So let's go to that Bucks team. Um, sorry, Kyle. Uh, Tampa Bay, forty-five. Las Vegas, twenty. Tom Brady's forty-three years old, and was putting out those passes today. Um, I guess like his best statistical game of the season would have been against the Chargers when he threw like five. But he had some passes today, getting Gronk involved. Andrew, do you have his stats for us? It's 33 for 45, 369 yards, and four touchdowns. I mean, the 43 dude, years old. And the they're going to add Antonio Brown as their third receiver next week. That is fucking terrifying. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get 
Andrew and Josh, your take on the, how the Bucks take away from this. But then we're going to go to Kyle for the Raiders because at the same time as this is a tough loss for the Raiders, the Raiders are very, very much alive now thinking, because I last week I was thinking the Raiders had a good chance even when there were six teams making the playoffs. Now there's seven. The Raiders are very much alive. So, Josh, are the Bucks about, are they about, like, have they not reached their peak, or are they just going to keep getting better and better? And are should we take them very, very seriously? What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I think still, I think they have the best defense in the NFC easily, and that alone puts them in any conversation ever. And now their offense is getting going, and that's fucking terrifying because Gronk looks good, like great. Actually. That uh, what that that cat that catch he had um in the corner of the end zone that touchdown. I felt like we hadn't seen that in like three or four years. Just that like that was very nostalgic and Brady got pumped. Um, keep going, Josh. Sorry. Yeah, I, I was just going to say going into the season, I really thought the Gronk uh, signing was really gimmicky just, you know, to make, you know, Brady happy. You know, it's like it's like another guy because they already had OJ Howard and uh, Cameron Bray are also like really good tight ends. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, like, I guess Gronk's like a fun like fan favorite but yeah he's he's actually turned into a super viable weapon and obviously that's been uh all the talk of last week godwin looked good today on top of that and then i'm sure he's gonna force the ball into antonio brown's hands next starting next week so mm-hmm. uh a- absolutely this defense still is incredible uh their linebackers their fucking d-line great they're, they have so that one say, corner, too, actually. Would you say they're the favorite to win the NFC South, Josh, over the Saints? Yes, you like them a absolutely. lot more? I, okay. I actually think I have them as winning the NFC, period, honestly. Okay. I, I might be there with you. Big Dog, I'll go to you about this. You texted me today. It looked like that you said, I love Tom Brady because he basically put together a fantasy team. And, I mean, when you look at their running back core, that is definitely the case. Um you're a Seahawks guy, but what do you think about the longevity of this Bucks team and the last two statement wins they've had? I mean, they're terrifying because it's like they're they literally it seems like after that Thursday night game when it was like, oh, no, Tom Brady, whatever he did on fourth down and took it, whatever it was. Yeah. They're just building up and they are just they are clicking right now. And they're getting better and better each week. They're getting more momentum. And if Antonio Brown doesn't drop a mixtape, this team is ready to go. Okay, and then before I go to Kyle Andrew, does this reflect more on the Bucks or on the Raiders? Um, well, it's like I think it's kind of a little bit of both. Like, cause I don't, I see like the Raiders kind of like as an eight and eight team, and they hung in there for a little bit, and then the Buccaneers just started doing their thing. Scotty Miller, fucking yeah. <laughs> okay, Kyle. So, so you're coming off a win against the Chiefs, but this is a tough, tough, tough game. What are you thinking? So, obviously, I have a laundry list of things I could talk about here with this game hey, today. This is, this is your I'm platform gonna, to do it. Go ahead. I'm going to keep it short. Um, <laughs> first of all, I don't know why we're not getting Henry Ruggs the ball. Here's, here's something crazy. Nelson Aguilar had nine targets today. Henry Ruggs had three. Kyle, I think I saw a stat where it said Henry Ruggs had, like, eight catches on the year and it's for like 220 yards and two touchdowns, but it's like the season he has eight catches. I mean, well, he, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he was out for a while too. He was out okay. for about three or four weeks with an injury, but when he catches the ball, 
he can move so quick. He is automatically making that first guy miss. He's just electric. I don't know why we're getting Nelson Aguilar the ball more than uh, Henry Ruggs. Other than that, offense looked pretty decent. Got to stop running the ball. Um, my second takeaway, I think the Raiders are going to be forever cursed for trading away Cleo Mack. Tom Brady had about six to eight seconds every drop back to pass. Not a single guy in his face. I don't think we even got a knockdown today, much less a sack. Nothing. The pressure, it needs to be addressed. And on that same note, the third takeaway is Paul Gunther needs to be fired. Defensive coordinator, buddy-buddy with John Gruden. He's only there at this point because Gruden loves him as a person. But you got to get personal and business completely aside here. He's got to go. I, I love I love the rant. I have a follow-up question. So we're talking about how we haven't gotten rugs or the Raiders haven't gotten rugs involved enough. What are your thoughts on uh, Carr? Do you think Carr can put the ball down the field to really utilize a guy like Ruggs? Or are you worried about that long-term? Oh, I'm for sure worried about it long-term. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, so the Raiders, Raiders fans like to make excuses every year why this year – Car is fighting uphill battle, but at a certain point in time, you got to just stop making excuses, cut ties, and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and um, we'll go to this really quickly. Speaking of a team that recently cut ties with a quarterback, the great Philip Rivers leaving San Diego, but they obviously got the rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert, um, who continues to impress with the. I mean, obviously, this is a 10 point win against the Jaguars. The Chargers beat the Jags 39 29, but. I mean, just seeing 347 passing yards from Herbert and three passing touchdowns, 66 yards on the ground, a rushing touchdown. Andrew, as Chargers fans who are just permanently cursed, and we we, we understand that. Missing another extra point today. And a field goal. Uh, uh, another four or five points on the board. Yeah. Anyways, but I, I love Justin Herbert. Like, I yeah. love him. He's so good. This is like my dream been alone come true. A little bit. Like, oh, my God, I'm in love with him. I think he's going to give us seven Super Bowls. But knowing the Chargers, that's probably not going to happen. But um, I I I mean, Andrew, I'm I'm not I shouldn't ask you this question. So Josh and Kyle, you guys aren't diehard Chargers fans. And Kyle is obviously a Raiders fan. Are I'm in love with Justin Herbert. Should I slow the brakes or what have you guys seen from this? Kyle, you start and then we'll go to Josh. Uh, I honestly, I was hating on him on that draft pick. Thought maybe he was going to be Philip Rivers 2.0, but man, easy. The, <laughs> <laughs> how many people do you guys have with him? I forgot. But um, oh god, um, ball is deadly accurate, and he's got a cannon for an arm. So I think you guys have it has already he's already exceeded my expectations personally, and I think you guys are probably in good hands for the next few years. Yeah, Josh, your takeaway. Well, so I was going to say. I I was I think he might be front runner for rookie of the year as well. I was oh, I'm, yeah, I was going to ask at this point because I don't know. Burroughs looked great. He's got a couple like wins and he's looked decent. And he's already doesn't like, have hair like, hitting, like Mahomes records and shit. It's just like exactly. what the fuck's going on. He, I mean the only <laughs> gone. Sorry. No, I I was just going to say as like a Chargers fan, it, it just what I've seen my entire life. What I'm watching on the TV when he hits these throws and does these running plays, it's like, holy shit, <laughs> this is football. Like this is, this is how you play for, football. Like it's just like I just don't believe what I'm seeing sometimes. Sorry, Josh, I'm just in shock. Oh no no, 
totally. <laughs> and as he should be. I mean, this guy's, like I said, I think you could probably make the case that he's been better than Burrow. And Burrow's already been really fucking good from the short flashes we've seen from him. Uh, and I was going to say the only case, again, for Burrow over Herbert for Rookie of the Year at the very least is because he's played, what, like a game and a half more than him? Or, or is it just one game? Yeah, then he's a, starter yeah, a game and then yeah, the yeah. doctor incident. So if the yeah. Raiders want Tyrod, go get him. Go replace him. He's good. <laughs> like a hard path on that one, but I appreciate yeah. the offer. Do you think he's, good. Yeah. he's breathing, getting oxygen in there. It's all good. Mariota? Is there is there a Mariota appearance coming? You know he I don't is. Think Kyle's been bad enough for that though. I don't think so either. I'm just curious. I want to hear what Kyle. Peterman is second on the depth chart. Oh, so makes see, no sense. We would that's see Peterman before we saw Mariota, dude. So that is just. Oh that, man, that's, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, the next topic I have to give you should all give yourselves a pat on the back. Because I believe we all had the we were talking about the Steelers Titans last week and we power ranked them. You guys had the Steelers above them. Congratulations on the win. The Steelers I had the Titans, but Steelers win twenty seven to twenty four. The close. Steelers finally getting a big win against a oh, really don't good make team. It sound like <laughs> no, 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 Andrew. This is what we're talking about. Like, I thought the Steelers were really good all year, but this was a statement win. Yeah, they haven't beat anyone yet till today. You're right. Yeah, and, but I also thought that like. I don't know. The Titans are the type of team that love to dig themselves in a hole and come back in the second half, and the Steelers were too good to do that on. Fuck you, Goskowski. You stupid fuck. Um, the Steelers are so legit, and I also, though, I don't, I don't think this knocks the Titans too much. What do you guys think? Well, I was going to ask you, actually. Enjoy you, your victory. I'm, you, I'm holding my L. <laughs> you, so now you, you're a believer, right? You think the Steelers are, are better than the oh, Titans? Okay. Well, here's what I would like to say. I gave out Big Ben as a dark horse MVP before the year, and I thought the Steelers were going to be really good. I'm just, I thought I was giving the Titans the benefit of the doubt because they're playing the playoffs last year. And, yes, I would, I would give the Steelers the edge, but not by a ton. These teams meet again. I I think it's like a three point. It's a two to three point spread. One to three. Like Steelers so are better. That's what they say. Continue. Yeah, we'll suck it. That's all. That's that's all. <laughs> Juju finally got going a little bit. So that was that was good to see. Uh, um, did you see? I don't know if you saw, but like uh, Matthew Barry had like a graphic this week where they had he had the same exact stats and usage rate. As uh, Ryan Switzer from 2016 so far this year. And that was like Juju's like was comparable to Ryan Switzer when he played for the Steelers. A fucking special teams player. And it's that's ridiculous, honestly. Yeah. They, so like, Kyle, Big Dog, Josh, Steelers or Ravens right now on the spot. Kyle start. Ravens still. Didn't, didn't like what I saw from Big Ben today forcing those pit, forcing one of those picks in the in the uh, in the red zone. Um, field goal would have put the game out of reach. You threw that pick to put them right back into it. Did not like that. Mm-hmm. Big dog. Steelers are still the second best team in football right now for me. Okay, Josh, I'm right there with Andrew. I think oh. they're better. I'm gonna stick to my guns. We, we still have two games, right? They yeah. haven't played this year, right? Nope, not at all. Oh my, oh, gentlemen, that that's going to be electric. Maybe what we're gonna have to do Maybe. is. Uh, We'll have to all congregate somewhere to watch a Steelers-Ravens game to really settle this out. Um, but, okay, um, any closing thoughts on Steelers-Titans before we move on? All right. 
So we got um, the 49ers rolled the Patriots. Uh, Cam Newton was benched. I think this was the biggest home loss for the Patriots in the history of the Belichick era. They lose 33-6. to um, Cam looked terrible, like so bad. But like what the thing was is Stidham looked, I think, worse in ways. So I'll start with you, Josh. Is this that the 49ers are back or or is this that or is it both? But like, or do I, the Patriots suck? I think like, it's what both. are you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm throwing in the towel on the Patriots bandwagon <laughs> for this year. Unfortunately, I not not a bandwagon, but I, I, uh, I, I yeah, I don't think I they're not a playoff team easily. Mm-hmm. And um I will actually the AFC is pretty bad, so maybe they could sneak in because I still think they could beat up again on the Dolphins and uh, mm-hmm. Jets. And I think they could steal one from the Bills still. I still think there's a chance. But uh, I there needs to be like a come to Jesus major thing. Uh, and I would say Cam looked better coming out of halftime. They had a couple of good drives, but they still just absolutely got nothing from him. Um, and I, I still, if I'm taking the optimistic route, I still think it's partially because he missed two weeks from COVID is part of it is. And that just kind of completely throws you off your rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. But the pessimistic take is for sure that he's maybe he's washed. This is it like for the mm-hmm. Patriots, for cam, for everyone. But I okay. they still, yeah. That's yeah. So it. Kyle, Niners are back. I'll, I'll go in with that. Yeah. Kyle, this is directly the 49ers. Are they a serious threat? And we're seeing what we saw last year again. Are you buying into that? Um, after seeing that game today, I am. I'm just concerned about their weapons continuously getting injured. Uh, Debo Samuel went Good out point. today and so did uh, Jeff Wilson. Um, I have a really funny quick stat for you guys, though. On the Kyle Shanahan versus Bill Belichick head-to-head matchup, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw this today. Kyle Shanahan is averaging, across his various jobs, he's played four times against Bill. He's averaging 30.5 points over 400 total yards and his four quarterbacks included Jimmy G, Matt Ryan, Rex Grossman and Matt Schaub. <laughs> so Shanahan has Belichick's number. Yeah, With Rex that, Grossman, that, wow. That kind of hurts. Well, so that was I for I do I are actually just totally forgot about the Rex Grossman era of the Washington football team. Yeah. 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 What a time for Great Josh period. and his Washington Great football team. Yeah, it was big, big, big time. Rest Grossman jerseys everywhere. You know, uh, mm-hmm. what was that guy they signed for like fifty million or something like that? Albert Hainsworth. That's it. I yeah, pulling out Man, of the hat, stomped yeah. on a guy in the face. You guys remember yeah, that? That's a physical yeah. and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Washington so legend right there. Big dog. <laughs> um, are the Patriots done? I'm gonna. Push a concern button. They're not done, but I'm going to push a concern button finally, because they looked awful. But it's it's midseason. I mean, there's still ten weeks left of football. We can't. I don't want to jump mm-hmm. to conclusions in October, November, because in three three weeks ago we thought the Bucks looked bad, and now we're thinking they're going to win the NFC yeah. Championship. So Absolutely. I don't want to put that on them because they only have to win. They got to go like eight and five, and they'll make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's a question to all of you, and if you don't have an answer to it, you don't need to respond. But so you know, there's all these rumors this offseason about how essentially Bill Belichick didn't want to kiss Tom Brady's ass and like give him like please stay, right? 
Like he didn't want to get. How much are they regretting that? Uh, well, I don't think Tom's regretting anything. I think he's laughing. Uh, <laughs> Tom <laughs> he's is living buddy. his life, and he's in warm weather. He's not getting mad at you know yell that. He can bring in whoever he wants. Antonio Brown didn't fit the Belichick way. It will fit in the Tampa Bay way. I think he's very happy. And I think Bill is pissed off that Cam Newton looks like this and the Panthers kind of knew it the past two years. And we all, I bought the bowl. I drank the Kool-Aid. I did a little bit too. Josh? Um, I think Bill Belichick's way too proud to ever regret any decision ever is, is kind of what I think. And I still think he's going to hold on to this to the end where he's, he's totally fine with losing Tom Brady because I think at the end of the day, I think he likes this. He's going to see this as like, he's still going to manage to take this team to eight wins, I think. And it's going to be like a, oh, fuck. Like, did you see how bad Cam Newton was week seven? Yeah, I fucking took that team to the playoffs, and that's going to be his legacy type thing. And I think he likes that way more than having any credit thrown to Brady way, Brady's way. Personally. All right. Very, very passionate. Kyle, you have any closing thoughts on the Patriots regretting? Yeah, I, Cam Cam did look very lost today. And I, I think uh, Andrew mentioned this before, but I, that could be because of the COVID situation. He's been out of practice. I will say this. Belichick knows how to beat AFC East teams. I don't know if you guys scoped those lines early at all, but the, the Patriots are actually underdogs against the Bills this next week. Despite how the Patriots have been playing, <laughs> I don't you think know what I'm doing. We'll lose to an AFC East team. Oh, so, okay, Kyle, real quick. I, that's what I said this week. I was like, there's no way Belichick's going to lose uh, three in uh, a row. And there's then, no way he's going to lose four in a row. He's going to be the Bills. And then it's, it's the same thing. Don't fall into the cycle. It's a stay away from me already this week. I, I, okay, well, it. no, to Kyle's point, we'll go to our next topic, which is the Bills. They beat the Jets <laughs> today by eight, but they did not look good, and they they've lost the, the two games weeks. prior. Kyle, you the, might have a point. About Jets next week, the, the Patriots Bills. Like, me and Kyle That's got the... fucked by the Bills today. Yeah, biggest so win of the week. Was infuriating. To not be able to put down against the Jets is pathetic. Oh, it, was it was six field goals. Yeah, it was six field goals. Oh my god! And a missed one, so we couldn't cover. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was just like such a giant middle finger to anyone who bet on the Bills the entire game. It was such a mindfuck. Josh, what do you have to say? I, I have a question for you, uh, B-Rob, since you're the biggest Stallion supporter in the world. Um, I yeah. think like, it, do you take this as like the Bills were just too confident and cocky going into this week? They're like, oh, it's the fucking 0-5, 0-6 Jets. Like, fuck them. Like, we're just going to barely practice you know take a week off they're really looking for the patriots or do you think that this is just what this bills team is going forward where they're just going to play close games that are just stupid for no reason so well what i here's what i think happens so the bills they come into this season and they are not really overhyped but they're kind of even with the patriots obviously because of the change and then they get a couple wins earlier in the season and everyone's kind of high on them if you look really closely at the teams they're playing, it's not that impressive. And like, um, but because they're an exciting young team and people want change in the AFC East, obviously. And I love Josh Allen, and I think he can be very good, but he's also prone to make insane mistakes. I do think that the Bills, to answer your question, Josh, I do think they've kind of got they bought their own hype a little too much. 
And although they did beat the Jets here 18-10, to 10, losing the two <laughs> weeks prior, I mean, beating it feels the Jets like a by loss. eight points is like... It feels like a loss. Like, well, weren't we talking about the Chiefs are going to be favored by like 21? And we're like, eh, that makes sense. Um, uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on the Bills? Um, I think that the teams are starting to figure out a little bit more how to play this Josh Allen 60-yard deep pass every time that kind of kills these teams and puts them out of these games. I think I think they had a great little streak at the beginning. I think this is more the reality of this Buffalo Bills team moving forward, especially with, I mean, their run game is pretty atrocious, and their defense uh, so is, is not even close to what it was last year. So I think I think teams are really starting to figure out how to defend the Bills' offense, and they're kind of poking a lot of holes in that defense. So, mm-hmm. to be so, to be fair, sorry no. they they are missing Tre'Davious White. I think that is so. true. Yeah. So and but, he's their best defensive player by so, far. Josh, a week ago, you or a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I can't remember exactly. We had like hot takes coming into the pod, and one of your takes was like, "Yo." The Dolphins are very, very much alive in this AFC East. And so after what we saw from the Patriots today and the weaknesses we've seen from the Bills in the past couple weeks, are Josh, are you thinking so, some Dolphins here for the AFC so East? Here's, here's the world. Here's the picture I want to paint. <laughs> oh, God. I Just real quick. <laughs> it's, He's ready. A bunch of Dolphins it's, swimming around. It's a, <laughs> it's a bye week for the America's team, let's be honest, the Miami Dolphins. It's Tua taking over starting next week. There is a world where Tua takes this team over, looks just as good as Burrow or Herbert, potentially. I'm just saying he's a top 10 pick. All I'm saying. They hey, can totally talk up about that. You let 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 Tua put up these stats that Herbert's been putting up. That's come on, come down. Fair. Herbert's the best but quarterback think... I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying he takes this team, leads them. They all have this hype to them because they're making this quarterback change, right, from Ryan Fitzpatrick. While they're still very much alive in this division, which makes me think that this isn't something that they just want to see what Tua can do or anything. They actually believe in Tua right now. Brian Flores is a great coach. There is a world where this team goes on a five and what? I I don't even know how many games are left, but they just go on a fucking rampant win streak and they fucking take this division still. Kyle, go. That's all I'm saying. Josh, to your point of you saying about how they believe in Tua, I think the fact that they're benching Fitzpatrick at this three and three record, they're seeing something in practice where they're like, all right, we can't we can't keep playing Fitzpatrick. Like we need to get this guy out there because he's gonna do something for us. So I think as great as the Fitz, you know, the Fitz magic happens at the beginning of every single season, it's a lot of it fun. But down. I think the Dolphins are realizing like they have something special in Tua. So I'm kind of on your side, Josh. Like I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. Me too. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of and hype right now. Take the it, take the bet now, future bet now, because it's it's this is gonna be the lowest it's gonna be. Yeah, and so um to kind of back your guys' point in a way, do you guys remember um Patrick Mahomes rookie year? I believe the Chiefs went like twelve and four or something, like eleven and five. They were in the playoffs, but you kept getting these reports out of practice of like, holy shit, Patrick Mahomes is doing this. Maybe to this, this kind of remind like if the Dolphins they're playing this well they like to your point Kyle they have to be seeing something of like oh shit this guy can take us to another level Andrew you I mean we were very pleased with Herbert at the draft obviously but we also were intrigued by Tua definitely we wanted Tua 
but we didn't have the fifth pick. We had the sixth pick. So we and we so, love yeah. you, Justin. We love no you, regrets. Justin. Um, but what are what do you expect from Tua down the stretch here? See, I want to believe. Like, I want to see the Dolphins win the AFC East. It just seems like it's such an uphill battle still. Because I still, the Bills were, we thought we were the top five team the first five weeks. God damn. And then, um, I still think the just Patriots the are Allen in there. Alarm. It is my Josh Allen alarm. And, <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, really, just the AFC East is just up in shambles, and it will be something. Eileen Bills to win it at this point. I mean, the Dolphins' argument is definitely interesting. The Patriots, what we saw today, was with you really too. bad. Um, let's go to another game we saw today. We saw a battle between number one picks, specifically quarterbacks, in between the Battle of Ohio, Baker Mayfield and the Browns, versus Joe Burrow and the Bengals in the 37-34 to game. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. is likely out for the season. Is some stuff I was seeing of how it was a very gnarly injury. However, uh, the Browns still win. The Browns are five and two. Are the Browns the fakest mm. team in the world, or are we buying this? Kyle, start. All right. So I have a question. If you started at the start of the season, all the thirty-two starting quarterbacks were lined up. Would Baker maybe Mayfield be the second to last or third to last quarterback you would pick? He'd be down there, probably. I He's every time like I watch him six. play, every time I watch him play, there's there's not a lot I see from him that impresses me. And I think to your what you're asking here, Brian, is I think that the Cleveland Browns are a very fake five and two. The Raiders play them next week, so it'll be interesting to see after I just said that how they actually the Raiders play are a mortal team. lock against that Browns team. Actually, thinking about it, and I don't they're under, like they're right now. I think they're like plus three. Ooh. See, the thing with That's Baker Mayfield is what you'll see is he's the most hot and cold. Like, he's like a streaky shooter in the NBA, essentially. Like, today he started, I think, 0 for 7 in his passing and had, like, a pick. But then he went 22 of 23. And again, it's like everyone likes to put out those stats. But it's like, all right, he was playing the Cincinnati Bengals, guys. Let's, like, calm down here. Um, I think the Browns are absolute frauds. I like what I see him from Burrow. He's a fighter. He's obviously in tough situations. There's not much to take from that. Josh and Andrew. We'll go to Josh and then Andrew. The Browns are 5-2. and two. They are frauds, right? Yeah, and I, I think first off, too, I think this, this game was scary because obviously the Bengals lost, but I still feel like Joe Burrow came out like a winner. I don't know, because to, to Kyle, what he said, too, I'd rather have Burrow right now. And, and, oh, yeah, like, absolutely. And and I think like that really showed how competitive this team can still be. And I think this might be as good as the Browns get this season for sure. It's like this might be their highest point and going forward, potentially, because I they're a young team, but they're plateauing pretty quickly. I feel like with, you know, Miles Garrett and even Baker, this is probably he's just the, the best guy defensive he's player be. in football this year. I would say easily, Miles Garrett. easily. And that's that's a hell of a plateau, and I don't mean that to be as a as a slight, no, but I'm yeah. just gonna say the Bengals are gonna the Bengals are the young upstart team, though I think, and they're going forward. I think they got this division somewhat in the bag if Big Ben and if I don't know something catastrophic happens with the Ravens too. Um, but anyways, yes, I think for sure the Browns are frauds. They have no major win that I've looked at. They, I mean, they beat the Bengals twice 
uh, out of those five wins. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> who fucking cares, dude? They got manhandled by the Steelers last week. The, but arguably, that's one of the most real team. But they got fucking destroyed. Weren't in it for a second. Yeah. Okay. Um, Big Dog, do you have anything, or can I go so to I'm the? Just yeah, thinking, I'll, like, cause go, go ahead. I want to say they're frauds, but. I mean, if there's seven teams making the playoffs, they still might make it. Yeah. Like they're the fifth best, um, fifth team right now, and it's like I know they still have to play the Ravens twice, the Steelers again, but Bills are five and two, and they're in first, and they're five and two, and they're tied for third, or they're in third place. I believe the uh, the Browns still have two games against the Ravens. Yeah, they do, and just, one against the Steelers. I mean, it's like the the teams, the bubble teams. It's like the Raiders, the Chargers, the Broncos, basically, mm-hmm. and the Patriots. Yeah, and uh, okay, so here's what we got. Um, I'm going to go to a voicemail right now that was sent to us literally 15 minutes after I posted the last pod. It's from Stephen Young, our number one caller of the program, an avid Detroit Lions fan, who was upset that we underrated the Lions a week ago. And what happened this week? The Lions had the most electrifying win, maybe of the weekend, against the Falcons, who find anything to lose. So we're going to listen into this voicemail from Steven, and then um, we will move on. But I'll get it going right now. I'll blast it through the mic. What's up, Pineapple Couch? Uh, I know this is pretty late in the week, but just soaking in that Lions win. And, uh, yeah, I just so remember... Last week's podcast, you guys kept shitting on, ooh, I don't know if I can watch this game. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> and what I got to say to you, Brian, fuck you. <laughs> Big dog, fuck you. It was also good to see you. Uh, Gave the guy a free bucket of balls at work today. And Josh, I don't yourself. really know you, but... He, he said it was good to see you. Well. Go fucking Lions. Oh, thank yes, you. I'm celebrating a Lions fucking win over a horrible Jaguars team because now back to back wins you deserve it you deserve it you deserve it I'm gonna celebrate this win all fucking week it is amazing go Lions they're gonna break my heart next week but they didn't fuck it go Lions fuck it alright always good to hear from you Steven um what I'll have to say about that uh, Lions Falcons game there's two things the Falcons as a Chargers fan it's hard to find a team who's better at losing than you. The Falcons have figured it out. <laughs> they're they're actually better at losing than the Chargers. But also, to like Matt Stafford is so good and is so underrated and has been fucked his entire career. Do you guys agree? Yes. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's he's probably. I mean, I would put him on the same boat as like probably Philip Rivers and as like the one of the most disrespected quarterbacks of like the last twenty Dang, years. I think he's better than Philip Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. I think he's better than Phil too. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. I'm, so I'm on sorry, a week Brian. by week basis, not the injuries, but he's better. <laughs> Phil, I don't believe that. I think the Colts have um some obviously some serious momentum coming you know, off this bye. The and funniest the win- thing about the Colts yeah. is like they have this perfect team, and they're like, let's get. Dude, do you do you want to suck my dick, Andrew? Do you no, want to no, suck I, I, I'm like- not. Right now, I'm, I'm completely. I'm walking away right now from what I'm about to say. <laughs> and- they have this perfect team with the offense, good role makers, and you know, great defense. And then it's like, let's go get a thirty-nine-year-old quarterback from San Diego. 
to fucking fix it. That will lead us to the promised yeah, land. Yeah, imagine, imagine Stafford on that Colts team. Imagine like... Okay, imagine not respecting a man like Philip Rivers and the integrity that he stands for and how he was... He, uh. All right, um... Stephen Stephen Goodwin, great win. I think I'm, Derek I'm Carr right now would be. I'd, they'd have a better shot. Like That's Carr. saying a lot too. That's <laughs> saying a lot. What do you think, Kyle? Do you think Derek Carr think, on the do Derek and Philip Rivers have the same amount of playoff wins, or does Philip Rivers have one more? He has more. He's got to have. Okay, let's count him. He's got like. I, he has to have. Right, well, this that was Billy Bollock, by the way. That was Billy yeah, Bollock. Three there. episodes. It was a good run. I love you, Phil. Just ignored them. All right. Other good news. So the Packers take care of the Texans today, thirty-five twenty, and this sounds like an abrupt transition. Obviously, because I don't want to talk about how Phil is being disrespected, but the the Texans make this a close game, right, guys? But in the first half, Andrew, I know you're a big Deshaun Watson fan, and I know they cut it close. Is Deshaun Watson the most miserable player in the entire NFL? Like, just of how pissed off he is at his situation. Like, it sucks watching him in this. Him, Darnold. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I feel really Stafford. bad for Darnold. Stafford, yeah. Stafford's Stafford actually is the answer there. Julio, yeah. maybe you throw in there. Too, no, but I, I agree. The He's in a very miserable situation. He's locked up there. But at least he gets paid, so there's that. And we don't really take away much from this Packers win over the Texans, guys, right? Like, I mean, we expected the Packers to beat this game. I thought that was a pretty easy bet for all of us. Um, Aaron Rodgers pissed off is is just scary, like scary good. And he, glad he showed good. up this week. Thanks for showing up Aaron last Rodgers, week, too. Aaron Rodgers against bad teams, also scary good. very good point um okay so here's this is a shitty game and this is what we'll do before we uh wrap up the episode and talk about monday night football but um so josh's team the washington football team beat the cowboys 25 to 3 and obviously there's all the questions about the cowboys quarterback play and dalton getting injured and all that what i took away the most from this game and what i've taken away the most from this season with the cowboys Ezekiel Elliott's contract might be like an all-time bad contract. He has been should have paid terrible Dash. this year. So today yeah. he had 12 carries for 45 yards. This season he has five fumbles already. And today he had an, one of those like bobbled catches that should basically be a fumble because you gave it to him and he's had multiple of this year. Is Ezekiel Elliott washed? I don't think he's washed. I think it's just... He's kind of in the Cowboys are in such a crappy situation right yeah. now. Their yeah. offensive line is gone sucked this year. He is the Cowboys probably suck because the same reason the Rams gave Todd Gurley that huge contract and they had to get rid of him. They just probably don't have cap to figure out other spots right now. Meanwhile, the Niners are running out like random running backs each week and every single one gets hurt, but they run for a hundred yards before they get hurt. Um Kyle or jo- Kyle or is Zeke? I, I do we all agree Zeke's a bad contract? But like Zeke looks like really like maybe over the hill like we were seeing of Todd Gurley last year. Are you getting that? A little bit. I think it is a little, just slightly unfair to put it all on him when we just mentioned that he has had the worst offensive line pretty much in his entire true, career. True. So that's probably a little bit attributed attributed to it as well. But yeah, he doesn't he doesn't 
shift and move like he used to like his little like cutbacks and jump cuts and shit used to be so much fun to watch and now he just kind of like it kind of looks like he's just walking through the holes you know he's not actually walking mm-hmm. through the holes but he's moving a lot slower yeah and that could be one of two things like it could be like just thought like obviously the wear and tear of being a running back in the nfl but maybe zeke is one of those players who when he knows like our team fucking sucks maybe yeah. he's not putting out as hard That's um what i think so before we get into Monday Night Football, the Dodgers, yeah, they beat the race tonight to take a 3-2 series. What I would like to focus on is how bad they shit the bed on Saturday night with that the error play. Um, Andrew, <laughs> tell was... me the Rays have a chance. Tell me the Rays oh, can beat they the have Dodgers. A... It ain't over. We just want it's Hollywood. They want to lose in seven. They just they like torturing themselves, the Dodgers. They're this is what they've done. And they're gonna continue to do it. They're the nineties Braves. The Rays, after seeing that play yesterday, I don't know how like fate isn't on their side because the guy was thrown up by forty feet and he still scored and he tripped. And because he tripped, it actually worked because he probably would have been yeah, tagged wild. out. Wild. Um the Rays definitely have a shot though, but that's because I hate the Dodgers so much. And I, I won't oh. believe it until I see if they get the 27th out. And I hope they bring in Kenley, bring in Kershaw again tomorrow. Bring in all the boys again. Have your nar- Fit your narrative, Dave Roberts. Do it. I, I was going to ask, are they going to pull a Giants where they had Bumgarner pitch like four games? Are they going to oh. have Clayton Kershaw pitch the seventh game oh. if it goes seven? Could you I imagine? want that so bad. I want that so bad. He will just burn up in that situation. They took him out after five and a third, and he got six outs in like 20 pitches. When that ha- And sure, yeah, they won today. That's great. But you took out the best pitcher of our generation after five and a third in the World Series game. Just think about that. They yeah. had it to a 21-year-old okay. here's, here's a question to you guys also. <clears throat> There's been a lot of douchebags through the history of professional sports. And through the Dodgers That's... organization. Is Jock Peterson the biggest douchebag that has ever played sports of all time? Oh my <laughs> it's like god. Most annoying, like literally Fuck baseball kid. Like it's just like his dad's the coach. They drive like a big suburban and like he gets all his best friends on the team. And the travel ball team, the all star team, yeah. All that good stuff. Yeah, all yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, um, I'm pulling up right now. I'm going to pull up uh, the Monday Night Football odds before we wrap up. Um, we'll go through our records this week. I had a tough week. I went three and five. Um, I don't know what that brings my overall record to, but I will put that out. We're going to do a graphic of that. Um, I went three and five. Um, Josh, how did you do? We'll go to Kyle, and then I think Big Dog just went off. So. Yeah, I went uh, three and three. That uh, the, I I doubled down on that Niners game. I bet the Patriots, which was my bad, but uh, that that over really should have hit, and I'm still pissed about that one. Uh, that but tough. yeah, yeah, the garbage time. There should have been a touchdown at least, and and garbage at the very least. But I can't be bitter about it. I'm moving on. I'm all about week eight now. Um, <laughs> anyways, bringing me to twenty fourteen and three on the mm-hmm. year. And Kyle, um, God bless you for jumping in halfway through season in the fucking goddamn hardest weeks to bet on NFL games. So uh, how's you doing your first week? And we know, we know the future is positive. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, the uh, the first week debut week was an abominable showing, but um, I'm a, I'm two and four on my best picks. I had some 
couple of the last minute picks that helped to actually even me out a little bit more round out the day, which was mm-hmm. nice. Um, but definitely better picks to come in the coming weeks. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I was thinking about, guys, before we go into the Monday Night Football, um, a friend of the program, Jesse Hines, was telling me we could actually set up a, a Slack um, group chat, basically. What it would be, it would be the four of us, obviously, but then um, all the Pineapple Couch listeners, and so we could be just talking all day throughout Sunday, maybe giving out live bets, stuff like that, which might help because some of these days we're, we're recording these best bets on Thursday, Wednesday night, and the lines are moving by multiple points. So that's something we're definitely looking into for the future. But for the future right now, we're looking at the Monday Night Football game tomorrow, which is going to feature the Bears at the Rams. Um, I already locked in plus six Bears, and um, that's the line right now. You can get the Bears money line at plus 200 over under 44 and a half. Andrew, you're at plus six Bears. Kyle, are you at plus six Bears too from what we said? Though? What, wasn't a best bet, but I agree with you guys that that, that is the better. Okay. The value's there. Okay, and so Andrew and I both have best bets on the Bears going into that plus six. Josh, are you also on that? Yeah, okay. yeah I have that. And um, I again, I, I'm taking the money line at plus 200, not as the best bet, mm-hmm. but that's that's just such good odds. And I think the Bears probably going to come away with this win, honestly. Mm-hmm. But so let's, I, I don't let's, trust Let's them. look at this game just straight up. Like, we'll, we have the best bets in. Let's ignore the line and we're, because this is – Potent- this is not potentially, this is a giant game for the NFC playoffs with the seven teams and these teams both obviously being contention. Are the Bears, like, do we think the Bears are better than the Rams, folks? Gentlemen? Yes. Kyle? I, I would lean, I, and I hate saying this, but I would lean yes. I'm going to put an asterisk. It's just crazy how, like... I don't know. I just think this Bears team is such a mental fuckcase. I just don't know how to fucking. It's that defense. That defense keeps them in it every single game. It's a yes, but for me, I'd say like it. it, Yes, but the Bears are still going to lose against really shitty teams and still going to confuse you in the future. They just play against. They play good teams really well, I think, and that's just what the Bears are going to be. They're again to Kyle's credit. It's the defense, absolutely. Khalil Mack, Team Hicks. We all like the value of the Bears plus six. And before we wrap up tonight's show, I have one last question to you boys before we go on to Mitch joining me for some uh, rock and roll talk. Um, gun to your head. Are the Bears going to make the playoffs? We'll go Andrew, Kyle, and then Josh. Bears are making the playoffs. Yes. But that means that there's probably going to be only two in the NFC West making it. I'm comfortable with that, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's them, the Saints, and yeah, an NFC West team, I'm going to say. Yeah, I look at it. I think we're getting the Seahawks and the 49ers out of the NFC West, and I think we're going to get the Packers and the Bears. Um, But definitely um, this game tomorrow will let us know a lot, similar to that Titans-Steelers game today. where I guess we didn't learn too much from it, as in other than both teams are very good. But uh, for this Bears Rams game, like I think going into the Titans Steelers game, we all thought both teams were good. Like neither were frauds, but maybe you guys thought the Steelers were better. I think both of these teams could potentially be frauds. So we're gonna learn a lot tomorrow night. 
again, best bet on the Bears plus six. Um, that is wrapping up NFL Week 7 here on the Pineapple Couch. Thank you so much to Big Dog, Josh, and Kyle for joining me tonight. Um, gentlemen, we'll talk again on Thursday, breaking down NFL Week 8. I love you all. God bless. I think you're forgetting one more thing, I think. Oh, there, fuck. There's something wrong. else. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Just one today. <laughs> By the way, I'm, I was 4-1 and one this week, and I'm 24-12 and 12 overall. You're welcome, Pete. God Oh yeah, you, you skip me, you little douchebags, just because I had the hot. Oh, hey, wait, wait. <laughs> go, 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 go! I'm sorry. Oh, it's twenty-four and one this week. We're taking the Bears tomorrow plus six, twenty-four so, and twelve. I, Dog, I, thought I meant to lead with you. Oh. Big okay. Dog, you have the opening um uh slide on. You know how we do the Instagram post? You're you're the number one next week. I like that. <laughs> the leader. Like um, put me last. <laughs> You or me, Kyle. We're we're both both right there. Uh, But uh, all right, boys. Always a pleasure. Uh, Stay tuned. Uh, Mitch and I are going to be breaking down some music next. Um, Cheers to NFL Week 7. We're looking forward to NFL Week 8. This has been the Pineapple Couch. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Pineapple Couch in a very special segment here. We're going back into the tunes. Another music deep dive. We got our our guy. I need to figure out a, like an insider name for you. We'll figure that out. But we got Mitch Rincon back. Mitch, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Always on the couch. It's a pleasure to have you, my friend, as always. And so what we're going to be doing today is we are going to be basically giving you guys our top seven u.s bands so bands from the united states um and talking a little bit about them i know i have a playlist built and i'm sure mitch does as well and so we'll make some sort of super thing that we'll share um this was just a fun exercise because i mitch it's fun to talk about because when you talk about the greatest rock and roll bands of all time like the world you it's just tough it's not tough because it's like oh well stone zeppelin and so it kind of like, you know what I mean? And so when you just look at it from the U.S. angle, I think it's cool. It gives it, um, maybe shines a light on some people who might not be there. What do you think? Um, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think it's interesting to just like look at a specific uh, like niche. Uh, and it's hard mm-hmm. to, you know, detach that like what you're saying from like the greater scheme of things. Um, like it means a lot to be a purely like American rock and roll band. And, mm-hmm. but then also you look at within that, there's just so many defining things that that means. Cause we're just a, such a weird, diverse nation that, um, mm-hmm. you can go a lot of so different, many different sounds. Yeah. 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 So I think, and so, um, go ahead, go ahead. I think my list might be a little different than yours because I feel like mine is fairly like, place based mm-hmm. um in terms of like ge- uh, like a geographical definition and i'm mm-hmm. I, 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 like I don't that. i don't really know how how yours is laid out so this is perfect because I, I i took a little different approach what i tried to do is i tried to take a piece of all like the most defining eras of the last like 40 years of american rock music so i kind of have a fish from every different pond if that makes sense yeah so like if you wanted to do a quick like hey here's american music this would be a pretty good example of it because it will sample different times and eras pretty well um so i'm i'm excited 
Yeah, I mean, I had some initial questions, like, just right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think yeah, I'm still sticking with my original list, but, like, how American does the band have to be? Like, it's like four out of four have to be American well, musicians? Or well, is it, like, kind of what I'm saying, the idea of, like, uh, a location Yep, it's location-based. And an example for you would be, so, um, Van Halen. Alex and Eddie Van Halen were born in Germany but moved to Pasadena, I believe, when they were 10 or 11. And so Van Halen formed in Pasadena, thus making them an American rock band. Yeah, Um, yeah. Like, I had uh, mm -hmm. honorable mention, not on the list, but, uh, like, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, where, like... Yeah, th- that you would get because it's like what it's three or four are Americans, so you could uh, potentially do that. Two or four, because Neil Young is Canadian. Canadian, yeah. And then I forget who's English, but um, uh, but yeah, like that or uh, another. Uh, we can go do it later, but because it might be and then, getting another thing list. I wanted to point out was um, it's banned. So like yeah yeah that it, was that was my next yeah, question. Elvis Presley and Bob Dylan and James Brown, they're all amazing and would probably be number one, two, and three on this list. But it is bands. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, we're not gonna like not pick James Brown and Elvis. <laughs> we're not forgetting about them. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not doing. Uh, um, what was I gonna like, say? That would be just like individuals, yeah. like talents. Yeah, Bob or, Dylan and like. Uh, even like Jimi Hendrix was was is kind of one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, we're gonna go down from seven to one um, and talk a little bit about it, um, and it'll sure it'll be an interesting journey. Um, again, you could we'll have a Spotify playlist with this. It's a great thing to put on shuffle. Um, it is, Mitch. How about you kick it? Yeah, like What's my up? playlist is just head to toe absolute bangers. <laughs> It's, it's it's great. It's great, um, especially when we combine. Um, so we'll, it'll be very nice, an eclectic sound, if you will. Mitch, start us off with your seventh pick here. So the seventh, your seventh favorite, I guess. However, we're doing this top seven U.S. band. Uh, so my number seven is a band out of Los Angeles, uh, with the frontman of Jim Morrison, uh, The Doors. My number mm. seven. Uh, kind of going off again that location and geography uh, based list um, it, it's a band that just like kind of defined an era of uh, you know American rock along with like an LA lifestyle um, mm-hmm. a little psychedelic yeah 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 along with you know being nationally rec- like internationally recognized yeah. and mm-hmm. um, I mean LA Woman that album is is up there of the greatest American rock albums of all time. Yeah, exactly. Is definitely. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a very, very strong choice. Uh, like, yeah, uh, a couple songs, Break On Through, which is just a crusher of a song. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, LA Woman, Lover Madly, Touch Me, which is an all-timer, and Love Me Two Times. Mm-hmm. Um, just up and down, Righteous Band. Great, great band. I like that. Uh, a little tease. I will probably be talking about that band a little bit later as well. <laughs> um, my seventh band, um, this is the most modern 
of any of the bands I chose and why I chose this band. They're from New York. And I think that this band really sparked an era of music that we're still kind of in now. Mm -hmm. It's the strokes. I have the strokes at number seven. Um, (laughs) <laughs> it's like what I want. The Strokes are so fucking yeah. good. Julian Casablancas is such a great headliner. They are, their first two albums are perfect. Um, like yeah, they are I mean, I get like nine head to toe. Both those albums are perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. they just I think really represent a time in um in uh, American music because we were still kind of in that weird the ending of the grunge era we were getting some kind of shitty music and um the strokes come in and really just refresh the scene i guess because of the strokes you get bands like the arctic monkeys franz ferdinand that whole genre and the strokes really kicked that off so seventh pick for me would be the strokes some songs obviously um the title track on is this it it's just so great because there's so much hype around them and they'd never mm. really done anything and so the first song they release is is this it like is this what you're talking about and then yeah. um i mean the one of the best age, soma yeah one of the best opening songs like of mm-hmm. an album pretty much yeah and like a career if you think about it um, <laughs> yeah. then you have songs like 1251 under control i can't win and then um this past year they had that new album the new abnormal and i really like that song selfless on it uh what did, what song did i like um is it bad decisions like the billy idol type one maybe it, it might have been mets it might have been brooklyn to the mets <laughs> go mets go mets baby <laughs> not nah, go pods um yeah so remember. really quickly, the, I just want to say that the Chargers on both their Instagram and Twitter have been yeah, dude, r- actively rooting for the Dodgers. What's that, and dude? It pisses me off so much. Andrew Radcliffe, Big Dog, who's always on the show, I think is going to give him a fucking heart attack. Dude, he gets so angry. It's and unbelievable. I think Andrew's going to become a Miami Dolphins fan. That's how <laughs> mad he is. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, the only team that uh, the only bad team that could consistently beat the chargers on a year-to-year basis the my uh, the miami time. dolphins uh dude but yeah that's Going just to so traveling ridiculous to miami after the chargers is a guaranteed loss yeah absolutely but yeah that doesn't sh- matter what their record is that chargers post is such horseshit and like even dot just no clue even dodgers so fans were just like what like this doesn't make any sense yeah it's just they're the chargers don't make sense so let's go to a better topic (laughs) what do you have at number six for us in our top seven u.s bands um six i'm gonna travel um to the opposite side of the country and talk about a band that you probably have on your list too uh a slight little bayou band some of leonard skinnard um Just lots of whys and lots of hype. And I have them at I have them at six too. You have them at six? Hell, six. Hell yeah, yep. dude! Great minds think alike. What's up? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, an American band with maybe more anthems than any other American. One of the band. biggest what ifs, also in rock and roll history, with the way they tragically died with the airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, the duel, the way that, that Leonard Skinner, the dueling guitars throughout their songs. And then Ron Van Zant, I believe that's his name, the front man. He was so fucking cool. 
Yeah. With his cowboy hat. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean, the Confederate flags are a bit con- uh, questionable. Yeah, a little questionable, but, you know. But, um, I can you separate the the, the artist from the <laughs> the art? Yeah, but I, I, yeah, if you have songs like Cheatin' Woman, Give Me Three Steps, Sweet Home, I Bama. Need You, Don't Ask Me, No Questions. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, probably one of the bands that we played the most at the latter end of our college experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just Skinner is very... Um, I just feel like when you're with a bunch of people, maybe having some beers, Skinner is never a bad call. <laughs> just puts everyone in a good mood. It's a classic... Um, and, right, it's a classic, uh, like, four people sitting in lawn chairs and one person... Uh, with a beer standing in the grass right in front of them playing air guitar. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. It's that lazy summer, yeah. early in the day drinking, just good mood. Um, yeah, Leonard Skinner is definitely that. So, I mean, that's both of us at number six. What do you got for us at number five, Mitch? Let's let's get interesting here. Ooh, okay. Um, number five, I'm going with a band that... It's a man and a band. It's kind of like it, it. It's it's more of a band than um, kind of what we were talking about before, but kind of the the precursor to the Strokes in the New York scene um, is the Velvet Underground. Uh, so that's my five. Um, and just, I mean, when you have Lou Reed, who is just uh, an absolute poet and an incredible songwriter, um, and just when kind of, yeah, the stage presence and just the New York scene at that time is just uh, a, uh, a staple and kind of what defined, even like to this day, uh, kind of the New York lifestyle. Yeah, it's that. I don't know. The Velvet Underground to me had like it's just that like that kind of like pissed off but mellow and it's I don't know. I had a lot of Velvet Underground songs on a playlist I had in college called Hungover, mm-hmm. and I will say that I enjoyed listening to them then. A playlist that goes maybe three four times a week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was dead. different times. Uh, um, some songs. Anything else uh, on them? Yeah. Yeah, I mean you just go through some songs. Uh you got Pale Blue Eyes, um like Oh Sweet Nothing, Sunday Morning, Sweet Jane, Rock and Roll, which is uh an all timer, uh Waiting for the Man, There She Goes Again. I, there's it's just endless. Uh Heroin. Heroin. Uh also uh almost perfect album, the banana album that with Andy Warhol's mm-hmm. banana on the front. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, like right when I moved out here, my roommate uh, invited me to go to. It was like a, a Lou Reed um, tribute show, and they have it like every year. Uh, and it's just like all of Lou Reed's like buddies and all these just crusty old people at, <laughs> at this uh, like underground uh, uh, like venue. And we just go. And we're like we're like the youngest people there, and and it was just like four or five hours of his friends just playing Lou Reed and Velvet Underground covers and like Nico covers. And oh, it was, awesome. it was pretty cool. It was super cool. Uh, very fun show. I'll have to come out for that next time. So for my number five, I'm actually going to stay in New York. 
Mm. And this band is uh, one, one of the most certainly unique bands of all time and it's one of the most mysterious. The Talking Heads mm. I have at number five. Yeah. Um, they, for so many reasons, they have the coolest music concert music film of all time. Stop making sense. He comes out with just a guitar and a tape recorder with the beat. They slowly add more and more people. The band, when you have the full band out there, they're dancing. You got great backup singers. They're moving. They're like playing guitar, running in, running in motion at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I don't. They're they're so unique. There, there's just nothing really like the Talking Heads. Yeah, I mean, by before, and I don't think there's anything. Yeah, he. Um, the so a story about that uh stop making sense is from a tale from jeff robbins is so what they would do <laughs> when that m- movie came out was basically that it would show up movie theaters but they take the bottom seats out and it would yeah. just like people would dance and oh, it nice. was yeah, yeah. And so that sounds fucking crazy yeah and um i saw the david byrne actually at coachella two or three years ago and he was still awesome. Like he's such a, a quirky mm-hmm. guy, but um, the the iconic like oversized suit he wears. Yeah, I was, was gonna great. say the, the big suit is just so sweet. And then who did mm-hmm. the the, and so, the rap music video that they were wearing big suits? I don't know. You know I don't, I, don't I know remember. what you're talking about. You know, but you know what I'm talking about? Was it Kanye? Yeah, yeah. It was Kanye and. Uh, Oh, I don't know. Some like Lil. Uh, oh, oh, Lil Pump. Lil Pump. The, is it Lil Pump? I, I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Yeah, that one. Um, so a couple songs for you about Talking Heads. Um, I really prefer the live version of Take Me to the River off that Stop Making Sense, even yeah, though, yeah, yeah. of course, the the normal version is great, but you get the really good uh, harmony or like background vocals in this Take Me to the River. Um, burning Down the House, obviously, this must be the place. Heaven, Life During Wartime, Can't Forget Psycho Killer, and then Once in a Lifetime, um, some st- songs to start you off with. Uh, Mitch, um, we're, we're, we're approaching had, number four. Yeah, I had something to say about the talking heads. Oh, David, uh, David Byron has a good uh, TED talk about um, music venues and like relation to sound. Really? And yeah, yeah. You should, uh, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's about like it's an alternative look about musicians playing to the venues that were constructed. So it's kind of this. Um, it's the idea that the buildings and the venues and the architecture define the sound as opposed to like the sound happening and filling music venues, but it goes through everything from like classical music up through like arena rock and mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff, but that's cool. It's interesting. Yeah. You should, well, check it, check, check it, it out. out. Uh, but check one, out. one band they talk about in that, or he talks about is my number four. Hmm. See that segue. Good segue. Uh, is, a band out of Seattle. Uh, it is Nirvana. Mm. Mm. I love that. Um, 
So, I mean, Nirvana's better than the Red Hot Chili Peppers, right? Like, I got in this argument in high school over and yes, over again. Yes, dude. I always be like, what are we talking about? Nirvana's what? way better. And are no one would agree me? with me. Thank you. Thank well, you. Yeah, That's, you grew okay. up in, in This has been an argument Ryan. for like 10 years. Oh, no. shut up. You grew up in Solana Beach. There's no difference. Don't you Keep fucking going. say that, dude. Don't you dare <laughs> oh, fucking say that. Don't you <laughs> dare. I know you're just I saying that it. to get under I my skin. It. There's the tape. Fuck. There's the tape. It's on tape, Mitch. We'll edit that out. <laughs> so you were saying about um, Nirvana. Um, I, I mean, it's just like another kind of seminal band that just defined kind of a, a generation and an attitude. Um, I mean, another, you know, tragic story. Um, mm-hmm. But probably the like the band of the 90s. Um, Without a doubt. And... Yeah, um, their MTV Unplugged set is unreal, masterful. Uh, along with uh, what's uh, God, um, Stevie Ray Vaughan's MTV is also super good. Mm-hmm. But and Clapton, and Clapton. But yeah, songs smelled like Teen Spirit, uh, "Come as You Are," about a girl, uh, the man who stole the world. So they. Uh, on their MTV Unplugged, the um, mm-hmm. yep. Is that um, I've, I always get poly confused. on there, dumb, yeah. lithium, yeah, just amazing band. Um, what a run! What a run! When you think about it, yeah, like, and to have, it's just like the Nirvana. This is it's not really an overstatement. They literally. For 10 years, basically, people were just trying to be them. Like, it was crazy. It's yeah. like, a, I have a band coming up who's kind of like that in the same way. Yeah, it's weird to see, like, this anti-establishment band just being the biggest band in the world. At least in, like, America yeah. for, a, for a good amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody has, you know, Kurt Cobain posters, and I listen to them probably yeah. more than anybody up until, like, middle school. Him, uh, Them and, like, 50 Cent. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, who's uh, who's your number four? So number four, a band you mentioned earlier, The Doors. I have at number nice. four. Um, so so far, if you look at it, I have um, the Strokes are cover- giving me that two thousands era. I have Leonard Skinner that's going to give me that early seventies southern rock. I have um, the Talking Heads, which will give me the early to mid eighties. That little um, I don't eclectic i don't know exactly i don't even know how to describe talking heads that's what they're like um and so now what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna take an the late 60s early 70s there i'm gonna check that box off as well and i will do that with the doors um Mm. the so we're going through all these bands right and um we're looking at like all these songs of what so like why do we choose these bands we make this playlist i can say very confidently so i have seven the best seven U.S. bands, and I have seven songs for each of them. L.A. Woman by The Doors is by far the best song on the list. Out of all the, it's, they have the best song, in my opinion, of any American band probably ever. L.A. Woman is a masterpiece, and I feel like I talk about it too much, but just down to the fact that Mr. Mojo Rising, it spells Jim Morrison. Just his scream. You obviously have Ray Manzarek, the unbelievable organist. Um, And another thing I really like about uh, the Doors is on like song like Tell All the People. They use that horn section that we know we never underestimate those. Never Mitch. underestimate. And 
than, than um, in the way Jim Morrison, he can kind of drift in and out of being like a guy who's like, like I don't know, like the Lizard King, this uh-huh. slimy kind of guy. But then he's like singing basically like almost show like ballroom music and mm. it's, his voice is unbelievable. Um, other songs by them that I really like would be The Changeling. Uh, Peace Frog, been down so long. Hyacinth House. And oh, then Hyacinth all, House all, rules. That song is so yeah, good. And then it's it's beautiful. And then um, I like Whiskey Bar too. I, the, Gloria, Gloria yeah, is yeah. great. Yeah, too. yeah. That that. Um, so yeah, that's my number four. The Doors. Um, I gotta add. Some, they could have been higher. I don't know. Yeah. I I really like the Doors. I gotta add some more Doors to my playlist. As I I have. What two, three, four, five, six, seven? Eight. I have nine songs, but and I'm like, I need to add some more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're gonna have a, like a seven hour playlist. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, we could. <laughs> I w- I like it. You just put it on shuffle. It's so yeah. nice. Uh, um, so you're up at you're thir- you're on three now, right? Yeah, I'm on I'm on three. Um. Three and I'm sure this band is up here with you as well. Um, it's uh, the Credence Clearwater Revival. Mm. Um, just that that Bayou, just rock and roll. That um, I'm definitely one of my favorite bands. Uh, it's hard to like. Definitely. I mean, and you have them just existing in a time of. Um, just like political chaos. upheaval and and cha- yeah, worldwide chaos, American chaos, mm-hmm. um, and kind of providing a, a voice to uh, a lot of people. Um, yeah, if I mean Fogarty's like a, he's like a one of one guy, you know, yeah. like it's he's kind of like a little. I mean, he's not quieter, but like he's really on that like level of like like a Bowie, a Jagger, like mm-hmm. in terms of like. The dude, the, the the run they went on, it's, it's fucking insane. Yeah. The amount of songs they put out, uh, it's crazy. Did you watch that video that I sent you the other day? Is Fogarty? Oh yeah, uh, Fogarty mm-hmm. basically telling the um, Trump campaign team that they, he didn't want his music uh, to be, pl- especially Fortunate Son, because he was just playing Fortunate Son, and Fogarty's like, dude, I'm talking about you, man, like. He's like, this is ridiculous. It's so ironic. He's like, because the idea of fortunate son is like, uh, you know, the wealthy and the powerful can escape the yeah, draft. Yeah, very an anti, anti-establishment, common man type of band. Wouldn't yeah, you say yeah, very com like the common man. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and he's I, I, yeah, and then he's like Trump. I like, them. this is what you did. <laughs> you were the wealthy dude that didn't get drafted in Vietnam, like. And he's playing it as rallies, and I thought that was just really funny. Um, some songs, yeah, Fortunate Son, Have You Seen the Rain, Bad Moon Rising, Proud Mary, Green River, Born on the Bayou. They rip uh, uh, an unbelievable Suzy Q. Um, mm. so, I mean, yeah, definitely one of my most listened to bands of all time, and unbelievable scene on um apocalypse now yeah with the ccr playing with the playboy bunnies um okay i definitely have some them on my list to come my next band um this band similar to nirvana 
after this band came onto the scene, I would say the next 15 years of music were spent trying to replicate this band, and a lot of it was shit. <laughs> so bad. But only one band could do it, and it was because of the combo of the guitarist and the singer. That band I am talking about is Van Halen. Mm-hmm. You got Eddie Van Halen and David Lee Roth, that combo. From 1976 to 1984, they were the biggest band in America. They were the anthems to like everyone who was like my dad age when they went to high school. Um, Eddie Van Halen completely revolutionized guitar and how it's played. <laughs> and um, he freaking put together his Frankenstein guitar out of, cause he couldn't afford it at the beginning. So he puts together all these parts. He has truly his own unique sound. Rest in peace, Eddie, we love you. Rest peace. But um, Van Halen is just such a, they're such a happy, like you can't like listen to Van Halen and not just like have a little smile on your face. And that's because of Eddie. But what's funny is when you listen to the lyrics of all the songs, David Lee Ross lyrics are all sad. It's all Jamie's yeah. crying, ain't talking about love, running with the devil. But but Eddie gives has that just sound that it's like, oh, I'm going to dance to this. This is fun. And then it's like, oh, this is actually kind of depressing. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, um, I mean, the 80s were spent trying to replicate Van Halen and no one could. And it, yeah. basically that was hair metal. And um, when I say Van Halen too, I have no disrespect to Sammy Hagar. I do. But I'm talking about... <laughs> I like Sammy Hagar. I'm just I'm just messing with you. Oh, okay. Um 1976 to 1984, that run of Van Halen. It's just it would have been so cool to have been in high school when that was just happening. I'm like imagining Van Halen 2 coming out like being uh-huh. a high schooler right at summer so you have dance the night away, beautiful girls, you're no good, all that stuff. That would have been awesome. Um some songs Jamie's crying, feel your love tonight, their cover of You're No Good, Dance the Night Away, and The Cradle Will Rock, Hear About It Later, and Drop Dead Legs. Um, Van Halen, um, I fucking love them. You know how much I do. So. <laughs> I, know, I was going to say, have you yeah, ever just like sat down and just written and just see how, how, how long you could go just about Van Halen? Oh, I have a page and a half in my notes. I'm not even it's this is a podcast so I know no one can see but I yeah, I, I, yeah, I but yeah I, I have a full page nice yeah. <laughs> um so yeah I have them at number 3 um yeah what do you got at uh we're getting into our top 2s there Mitch uh number 2 is um a band that just basically defined the American lifestyle for the world uh, specifically the California beach lifestyle the Beach Boys mm-hmm. um, not only a band that uh, you know just along the times you know when Hollywood's popping you, you kind of bring the eye towards the Los Angeles Hollywood lifestyle and all the you know more or less the everything that California, if not just the United States, is kind of seen as worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, a band that rivaled the Beatles for, you know, international, Beatles, yeah, international charts and American charts. Um, 
you see uh, a just unbelievable transition from this kind of surfy, idealistic, uh, just twang that defined you know before mm-hmm. that California just to like you know Deuce Coop. to like and then you move into Pet Sounds and Brian Wilson just going absolutely absolutely insane and just establishing yeah. his his genius for forever. That Pet Sounds is an album that when you listen to it, it's just like you. It's you can. It's just Brian Wilson's a fucking genius. And obviously, I didn't see that movie. Like he had, didn't he like see sound or something? Isn't that like he went kind of crazy? I'm not sure. I forget what that's called. To you, it's super interesting though. I think I'll have to, I think Dustin saw that. Our big dog. I'll have to ask them. Um, the, yeah, the new one that just Beach came Boys out? were the hardest for me. I they're my honorable mention. I I yeah. I I'm mad at myself yeah. for not. But I, I mean, I have, you know, I didn't put Van Halen up here. I didn't put, uh, who uh, your number one is going to be just cause I knew that one, you were going to talk about them and mm-hmm. two, like they, I mean, Van Halen wasn't really huge in my life, you know? Yeah. That's, what's cool about this type of stuff though. Why I like doing it because it's like, for me, like Van Halen can be this like giant thing, you know, that was like a seminal part of my life. But then with you, you'll have someone who it's like this person was that seminal. And so it's cool to get both of those perspectives, I guess, because it wouldn't be that fun if we had the same top seven. <laughs> 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 that would be a pretty boring podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you're really right, Brian. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to change my list. Um so, um, Beach Boys at two, uh, I have to mention, you got me a surfer girl on vinyl, you beautiful bastard. I did. Uh, I, I love that album. We also, uh, I, when I was working in LA for architecture firm out there, um, we were designing the new Warner Brothers studios and we had a bunch of meetings in like different, uh, recording studios around the, uh, um, around the city. And one of them was... Mm-hmm. I think now it's called the East West Studios, uh, but it's where uh, Brian Wilson recorded most of Pet Sounds. So it was pretty cool to be in that room. Uh, Brian Wilson played bass too, correct? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's the, what, Paul McCartney of. Yeah, Uh that's funny. Yeah, I never actually thought about that. Like the two, I mean, I don't know if you could call either of them really front man of their groups, but like the two... Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I can say that because I don't know if Paul McCartney is the most influential person in the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, it's the Paul John Lennon thing is just like an, I think over the course of my life I've changed my mind like fifteen times on it, mm. and so it's just whatever way the wind's blowing. For the, the first ten years of my life, I think I was always John Lennon, or not ten years of my life, but when I first started having an opinion about yeah. it, I think it was always John Lennon. And then for a little, I was like, "Wow, Paul McCartney's really fucking good." No, t- and then, dude, I'm all I'm all George Harrison. I am See, big time I, George Harrison. It's a, for me. It's Paul or John. I, George Har- Harrison's great, but it's Paul or John. No, I mean you just have to look at that. Like, look at his, uh, um, like solo stuff that he did. It's just unbelievable. John Lennon's John Lennon and Paul McCartney had great solo stuff too. You have to listen. It's like it, that's what it gets so hard though, because it's like we're comparing just greatness. Yeah, and they're British. I mean, like so. Paul McCartney's got "Band on the Run" and uh, "Maybe I'm Amazed." Uh, John Lennon's got "Number Nine, Dreaming." Um, lots of good stuff. Whatever that other or "Imagine," obviously. Um, 
What do you got in terms of Beach Boys songs? Oh, here. Um, what do I got on here? I mean, a bunch of like the kind of old ones, like you know, Surfing USA, Good Vibrations, um, and then you move into like Wouldn't It Be Nice and God Only Knows. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I've been listening to a lot is, is I Just Wasn't Made for These Times lately. Um, that song's been been really good. Uh, what's what you got yeah. next? I got um, so a band you mentioned earlier. I have CCR. Um, CCR is it's weird. The weird thing about CCR is if you listen to CCR, you would a hundred percent think, well, where are they from? Oh, like you know Mississippi, Louisiana. And it's funny is they're born or they were from right outside of Sacramento, um, Lodi. That song is right outside of Sacramento. <laughs> Um, and it's like I was talking to you about earlier. I won't talk about them too long because we talked about it a little bit. Just the run of songs Fogarty put out, and I believe it was like a three or four year stretch. Yeah, it was four years. It rivals Jimi like, Hendrix, you know? Jimi Hendrix had a four and year it, recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, what's interesting is like, I don't think that during that stretch, CCR was the best band. Because you obviously had the Stones and Full no. Swing and other stuff going on. But when you look at that era, or at least certainly in band. America, they kind of represent the times, like, the most. Mm-hmm. Like, they, if you're like, I don't know. I feel like that's the soundtrack to that time. There could be some arguments. Maybe it's like the Grateful Dead. I would lean CCR. Um, some songs. Yeah, well, I mean, again, it's, run, run. It, it seems fairly uh, location-based. Like, you can attribute... Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the beginning of that era to you know the Grateful Dead when you look at uh like psychedelic research and San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, but then you look at kind of the nationwide struggle. It's kind of like CCR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the common man, the common man. Yeah. Um. So yeah, songs wise, I got Run Through the Jungle, Long as I Could See the Light, Lodi, Green River, Up Around the Bend looking out my back door and then i don't know is this is i heard it through the grapevine by ccr the best cover of all time um all along the watchtower is the best cover of all time i don't know i think i'd probably take i heard it through the grapevine really it's fucking crazy i, I mean it's, it's it's i mean it's all around up, the yeah. watchtower is also you know. fucking crazy um but Cosmos Factory, that Cosmos Factory and Green River, those two albums by CCR, are my two favorite. But obviously, Born on the Bayou is very good. Yeah, Mitch, I like Bayou. Bayou Country has been my favorite because it just jams like the whole way. But mm-hmm. they, I like the songs like Ubi Doobie and <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ramblin' yeah. and <laughs> like that sort of stuff. Um, okay, so your number one band from the United States of America, go for it. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to preface this. Uh, band coming out of the Bay Area with a little Latin flang. Or twang. I I knew I, I knew this. I, was, I knew this was going to be your number one. I crossed up a twang and flare. So yeah, Latin flang. <laughs> uh, I like that. Uh, but it's yeah, it's Santana. Mm-hmm. You knew it was going to be Santana. Great choice. Yeah. I thought about it, and I was thinking about all the bands that you would like, and I knew you would put Santana at one. Mm-hmm. 
I was I oh I, I thought you potentially might put the Beach Boys at one, really? but then I thought about how much you love guitar and how much you like Santana, and I was like, oh, he's definitely gonna fucking put Santana. Uh, yeah, it's Santana. I mean, if any of the listeners out there don't know, I have a Hispanic background. My relatives. <laughs> my, <laughs> that was the other reason I knew it. <laughs> my relatives hail from the great uh, state of Michoacan, Mexico. Uh, and so, I mean that, like, I kind of felt at home with Santana a little bit. Um, Tony's sponsor of the podcast. Huh? Tony's sponsor of the pineapple. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) As well as Corona Pacifico. Yeah. yeah. Um, Uh, Naming sponsors. I'm getting all of them. Yeah. Tony Sakal. If anybody's in the Salon of San Diego region, check out my grandparents restaurant, Tony Sakal. It goes hard. It rules one, uh, best margarita in san diego county this this year oh, which God is damn, I go for margarita which is big time yeah um yeah so yeah i mean santana just wails on guitar the best woodstock set of that whole weekend i'd say um and he's just great national anthems for the warriors games yeah i was gonna say <laughs> i was gonna say you might laugh at him because you've seen him on uh national tv or uh was nbc bay bay area nbc sports uh-huh. bay area if you're local uh warriors games but um yeah i'm so excited for that I, yeah one of my favorite guitarists just influential sound kind of the blending of of kind of that california culture with you know a historical his, uh, Hispanic land. Um, so again, like looking at uh, location and geography in terms of kind of defining meaning in, mm-hmm. in, in these, in these bands um, songs, you got black magic woman, Oye Como Va, Samba Parati, waiting evil ways, uh, soul sacrifice, which uh, is a wild video. I know we, I, we probably, t- we probably talked about Soul Sacrifice at Woodstock on this podcast like five times because it's when we dropped acid for the first time and just wailed. Um, another, mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful guitar songs of all time is Europa. Uh, it's just mm. silky. And that's my number one. Uh, yeah, I, a fun fact for you too, a uh, guitarist in Santana, Neil Sean, mm-hmm. founded Journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, when you listen to obviously Journey in Santana, very different. But when you listen to the guitar solos and a bunch of Journey songs, you're just like, wow, this is completely influenced by Carlos Santana. Mm-hmm. So that's very cool. My number one, this will be no surprise to you, Mitch. Yep. Um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. <laughs> to me, they are the most American band ever. They're so, like, we're talking about how CCR is the common man band. Tom Petty almost even more is because it's really it's just Tom Petty's not good looking. It's he just comes in and they wail and You're telling me they, you're telling me if Tom Petty walked into your bedroom and he said, Brian, do you want to make out? You would make out with him? I would not. You would I would not will, make out. First of all, rest in rest in peace to the great Tom Petty. Um I no, I really wouldn't want to make out with a man. I think I will make my stance there. Um, <laughs> um, Just a homie kiss, but, dude. Just a homie kiss. Yeah. Tom Petty, though, he is, in my opinion, incredibly underrated. I think he is one of the most 
um, influential artists of all time, especially in terms of America. I think he's an unbelievable songwriter. I mean, if you think about it, he got invited to be in the Traveling Wilburys with Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, um, and I'm forgetting who else was in that. Um, he was able to make hits for three consecutive decades from in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. Um, I am a I am more into his earlier stuff, obviously, but he doesn't like fall off a cliff or anything. So um, when you look at his first album, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, I mean, on that song, album, you get American Girl and Breakdown, but you also have songs like Strangered in the Night, anything that's rock and roll. There's just this pure, raw, just rock and roll, fuck everyone, kind of. I just want to party. That's what Tom Petty was. Um, and... Just like we were talking about with Van Halen, Tom Petty, just a massive part of my childhood. I just have always been a fan. I've seen him three times in concert. Um, and so, yeah, I have songs, Refugee, Strangers in the Night. The Waiting is probably my favorite Tom Petty song. Um, you're going to get it. Don't do me like that. Breakdown, I need to know. Um, just he has so many good songs. And Tom Petty, like we were talking about with Skinnerd. Kind of just that, oh, hanging out with the boys. It's sunny, just throwing some Tom Petty, drink some beers. Definitely will be a good vibe. Um, yeah, that those are my top seven. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely makes sense who we picked <laughs> based on... Uh, yeah, I mean, I like that we can have different, you know, top twos, which mm-hmm. is... Because, I mean, there's so many different factors that, that go into it. Um, yeah. Who did you, who were your uh, other honorable mentions? So, Beach Boys, obviously. Nirvana was one as well. Um, I was, uh, oh, fuck. It's just, I was ZZ Top. Mm-hmm. I had, was very close. Um, and then I was actually legitimate i did i almost put twin peaks in yeah no they're... but I, I figured because we just podcasted about them i was just like i'll just leave it but um yeah i mean that I, that's pretty much it i'm trying to think um like i didn't consider guns and roses no, or no. bruce springsteen wasn't close no, oh the I eagles honorable mention i will eagles i um were close were a close call for me i res- um, i respect the the eagles more than i like the eagles I mean, just unbelievable vocal harmonies. Um, but I, they, these seven bands, the the toughest thing for me was where to put Skinner on this list. Like, I think when I first had it out, I had him at two, and mm-hmm. I just kind of mixed and matched everything. Oh, and another person who I don't, I think this is kind of in the Bob Dylan category, but like, I would have loved to put Billy Joel on this list somehow. I'm a giant Billy Joel <laughs> guy. You're in Billy Joel territory right now, Mitch. Uh, yeah. Um, almost. Um, I actually also thought about the Steve Miller band, um, but okay. I yeah, quickly, yeah. they didn't have a, they didn't have a, as many, but, um, I just thought that that was like a, a good representation of that kind of like late seventies thought about mm-hmm. cheap trick a little too, just cause, um, yeah. I don't know. I knew you I would like trick. What, what, yeah. what, what, uh, what were you thinking? Um, I mean, I had a, a lot of the people that, you know, you had in your list that I like, you know, strokes, Tom Petty, uh, I have Van Halen, of course. Um, -hmm. I had the Ramones, which, which kind of goes in, it's the same kind of breed as 
uh, the Velvet Underground, I thought, kind of that, that grungy uh, New York. Mm-hmm. So I thought that uh, Lou Reed was, was uh, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it was basically a toss-up between the Velvet Underground and the Ramones because I felt like I couldn't have both. Yeah, um, I think you went. I would. I think the Velvet Underground was the right call. Yeah. Um, I also had the Talking Heads, Grateful Dead. Uh, I had Cosby, Sills, Nash and Young. Uh, but I mean that that line is because they're half American, but they're still, you know, an American. I band. thought you were gonna maybe do the band. Or did you think about no? The band? I I thought about it, but I I don't I didn't think that that they yeah. Like I put Prince in the Revolution, but that's fairly uh, like you know Prince heavy, so I didn't want to put that yeah. in my top seven. Uh, and that's also, just when like, it gets tough is because it's like just individuals. Yeah, and then you look at either like the Jimi Hendrix Experience or like uh, Band of Gypsies, which was a purely American band, but you know mm-hmm. it, it, it's yeah, it's tough. I actually did um. They weren't like close, close, but like I thought about the Black Keys in terms of like modern yeah. American bands. I obviously that honestly slipped my mind. Them. Yeah, that's totally slipped but my Black mind. The Black Keys are, they're definitely um, one of the better. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of modern bands besides the Strokes, the Black Keys. I mean, obviously, you and me would say Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, but I mean, that um, goes against the uh, argument of geography and location and kind of standing for. Mm-hmm. A, a people or like a group like the yeah, chicago exactly. based uh music and arts lifestyle which rules mm-hmm. yeah maybe 10 years from now looking back on it they'll be on it we'll have to pot about this again yeah uh, mitch always always a pleasure my friend um enjoy being three hours ahead on time of me mm-hmm. um go raise go yeah go go raise, raise go raise fuck the dodgers um yeah, this has been the Pineapple Couch. Yeah. Talk to you next time. This is a fun one, Brian. I enjoyed myself. Yeah, we got we got to do 80s or, I don't know, Jesse Hines wants to join us. That'll be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See you, right. everyone.